Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Many people familiar with the Bible have heard the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now we would do well to ask ourselves a few questions. Number one, why is he knocking? And why is he standing outside the door to begin with? In the Bible, doors are often used to express a separation, a barrier, but they also symbolize an entrance, a way to enter, an opportunity. Well, this scripture from Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 is one of the verses taken up by evangelist Mr. Marvin Dirksen in our message today entitled, Doors and Destinies. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is given the outside place by most people in our world today. He's rejected and simply not welcome into their lives. But he does want to come in to save and to bring blessings not only for this life, but for all of eternity. What a door of opportunity is available to each one of us. But as Mr. Dirksen explains from the Bible, this door will not always be open, and the Savior will not always be waiting. This message begins with the first mention of a door in Genesis chapter 4, and ends with the last book of the Bible, where a door is again pictured for us. So let's listen as Mr. Dirksen presents the gospel of the grace of God using these unique Bible verses. In chapter 4, I like to read it, verse number 4. This is the story of Cain and Abel, the first two young men born into this world. So we're going right back to the beginning of time. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 4, verse 3 rather, in a process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. The Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, very angry, and his countenance fell. The Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, notice, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And... Most of us will be aware that Cain disregarded the entreaties of God. He rose up with anger, with murder in his heart, and he actually murdered his brother. And in verse number 13, it says, And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 11. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Verse 16, a window shalt thou make to the ark, and a cubit thou shalt finish it. 
and the door of the ark shalt thou set on the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Over the chapter, chapter 7, Genesis chapter 7 and verse number 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day, were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem, Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark, they and every beast after his kind. Verse 15, And they went in unto Noah, into the ark two, and two of all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And they that went in went in male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. Now to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. Connection, verse 23. It's the question that introduces this. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? Maybe you've asked that. Many getting saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter into the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Here's the reason. When once the master of the house has risen up and hath shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. One final reading in the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 20. The words of the Lord Jesus, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him. We'll have supper, you might say, or have a fellowship meal with him and he with me. I've been looking at these passages because each of these readings that we have been able to read tonight involve the realities of doors. And the purpose of the gospel is to invite individuals to come to an open door. In fact, it's not an invitation to join a church. And it's not an invitation to kind of turn over a new leaf. It's an invitation concerning a person who himself said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And I've often been amazed at the simplicity and yet at the far-reaching scope of that statement, I am the door. Not a church, not a creed, not a doctrine, not an ordinance. You don't get baptized to get to heaven. Salvation, the door to heaven, is a person. And if you have come to accept him, you have found life in him. He's the only way to heaven. He is the only savior in this world. He is the only one that's able to put away sin. And you might say, my, that's very narrow, narrow preaching. Well, it's scriptural. He himself said, I, I am the way. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And tonight, the wonder of it is not that there's only one door. The wonder of it, in view of our sin and in view of our resistance to God, the wonder of it is that there's a door at all. God was not obligated to move toward us in grace. God did not have to meet our need and put away sin. We had turned away from God. We are the rebels tonight. We have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And yet the kindness of God has drawn alongside. And the person of the Lord Jesus has provided a door, a door of salvation. And tonight that door is still open. So what we have read tonight concerns some of the great truths involving doors. I'd like to just look very simply at these doors because there's just one major truth I want to emphasize. We have read in Genesis chapter 4 about sin at the door. 
A door is really a matter of position, isn't it? A door opens up possibilities or closes them. Here's a young man. He's interested in having dealings with God. And perhaps, very likely, there was a desire to be right with God, but on his terms. And so we find that there was this statement, sin, or a sin offering, lieth at the door. And Cain had to make a decision. Genesis chapter 4 brings into view the great reality of a decision involving a door. But we have read in Genesis chapter 6 and chapter 7 about one of the great worldwide judgments of God. Noah's flood or Noah's ark and the flood is a definite historical event. It really happened. And so there was a storm at the door. The windows of heaven were opened and the judgment of God fell. And the destinies, that's the second truth. A decision at the door, destinies at the door. Destinies were determined by what side of that ark door you were on. There were eight individuals on the inside. There were countless thousands. All the rest of the world's population was on the other side of that closed door. And when that storm fell, the storm at the door, destinies were determined. We have read in Luke chapter 13, one of the most solemn statements of the Lord Jesus. He told of a coming event, not now a judgment of water, but he told of a moment when a day of grace, as far as we know it tonight in this part of the world, will come to a close. He said, there's a day coming when the master of the house will rise up and he's going to shut the door and there will be individuals and they'll begin to call for salvation. They'll begin to long for an open door. But the great truth of Luke chapter 13 is not now a decision and not now just merely destinies. There'll be a tremendous division. There'll be those on the insides that you once sat amongst. There'll be those on the inside that taught you the word of God. There'll be those on the inside of that closed door They'll be with the Savior, and you yourselves will be thrust out. Division at the door. But I'd like to certainly get to Revelation chapter 3, because we have read of a Savior at the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, here's his promise. I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. Is that worth Responding to the knock of a stranger at the door, the knock of the Savior who desires to come in and to bless. I'll tell you, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, if I could apply it in the gospel tonight, is the great truth of deliverance and the great reality of eternal delight. He will come in, will save souls, will put away sin, will sit down as a friend, as the Savior, as the Lord, as the mighty deliverer. And we will enjoy his presence and he will enjoy our presence as well. There's a stranger at the door. Will you let him in tonight? Because in Genesis chapter 4, we really go back to the almost the start of time. The mighty creator had moved in creation. First words were, let there be light. Or I think if I understand the original, the first word that he ever uttered audibly that we have recorded for us is the word light. Light be. That was light. You see, he is the God of light. And as he began to move in mighty creation, he made the stars, he made the animals, he made all that we see around us, and last of all, he brought clay together. He formed a man, he breathed the breath of God into the nostrils of man, and man became a living soul. And when man was made, he was made in fellowship with God. He was made to enjoy his presence. He walked with God in the cool of the day. What a tremendous reality that must have been, to spend time with the Creator, 
walking in that lovely environment of the Garden of Eden. But Genesis chapter 3 tells us of the greatest tragedy that could ever take place in this world when sin came in. And from that moment on, sin has marked every life. And the Bible says, for as by one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death is passed upon all men and all women and all mankind, for that all have sinned. And so these two young men that were born into this world, Cain and Abel, undoubtedly were made aware of their sin, of their need for a sacrifice, of their need to have their sins forgiven, of their need to get right with God. And there are individuals in this auditorium tonight, and you have been made aware of that. Thank God for Christian homes. Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for friends that have brought you along tonight. Thank God for every purpose of God that is designed for your salvation. But Genesis chapter 4 tells us about a young man who came to God on his own terms. He came his own way. He came with his own thoughts. And when God rejected his offer, not that God had anything against Cain, but he came the wrong way. And as he became very angry, God graciously drew alongside of him and he said, Cain, Cain, can I talk to you? If you come the right way, will you not be accepted? Yes, you will. And he said, beside all this, sin is lying at the very door. Or sin offering is at the door. What does that mean? Well, I think if we just take it the way it is, we find that sin is very near to all of us. And if we take it with regard to a sin offering, we find that what Cain needed was right alongside. All he had to do was just stoop down and take what God required and bring it. And a man made a decision at the door. I've often thought that gospel series and gospel meetings are a time when people are brought to the door and when decisions are made. Could I tell you, if it's really a sin offering, and I think it is, that God very graciously brought a, a little lamb alongside a, a lamb or a sheep or whatever the case was, and it was so close. All Cain had to do was just simply take it and give it. And tonight in the gospel, we can tell you about a Savior who has come right alongside. And he has done the great work required for, for salvation. God is not asking you to do anything as far as human effort is concerned. It's not of works lest any man should boast. But God has brought alongside a Savior. Tonight you have to make a choice. Will you receive him or will you refuse the Lord Jesus? A decision at the door. And tonight it's your choice. We have prayed. We have preached. We have sought to invite. But Cain refused what God had provided. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord with these tragic words. My punishment is greater than I can bear. We flip over the page and we flip over some years until finally the, the sin of this world had grown to such an extent that God said the end of all flesh has come before me. And as we look at this book, and as we understand the very character of God, we understand that he is holy. And the God of holiness is a God that will ultimately judge sin. There is an end to the dealings of God. There is judgment ahead. And as we watch, we understand that God commissioned a man, God told a man that had found salvation, favor in his sight. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God saved him. And God told him to build an ark. And as that ark was being built, God was not only providing a way of escape, but God was speaking to an entire world. It was a long sermon. It was a very audible sermon. A man building an ark, possibly for 120 years. That's a long project. Nail upon nail, plank upon plank, timber upon timber. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Noah was telling a world around him that there was judgment coming. 
Noah was telling the world around him that there was a way of escape. Noah was telling that he believed God and he moved with fear. He began to prepare an ark to the saving of his house. And when that ark was completed, God said, Come thou and all thy family, all thy loved ones into the ark. And the Bible says, God shut him in. When God closes a door, there's not an individual in this world that's able to open it. And the judgment of God fell. April is the anniversary of the inaugural crossing of the Titanic many, many years ago. 1912, was it? And you know, as that super cruiser left England and was heading for New York, deemed to be unsinkable, bands were playing, people were carousing. They thought, this is, this is a fantastic cruise, a fantastic crossing. And as they came up alongside of Newfoundland and then down across the North Atlantic, down toward New York, they began to receive some warnings. There were icebergs ahead. It was a very treacherous part of the Atlantic Ocean and a very treacherous time of year as the icebergs had begun to loosen and began to flow south. And as one man said, the sinking of the Titanic was not so much that it actually went down. What was so tragic about it was the simple fact that the Titanic went down after 15 hours of nonstop warning with its band playing and its passengers dancing. Storm at the door? Judgment of God coming? Warnings given? Yes. Reports made clear? Yes. And yet that ship and many a life has continued to move down the corridor of time, across the waves of time, with no, no inkling of what lies ahead, with no desire to turn from their course, and they steer clear into the very judgment of God. Storm at the door, and destinies in view. Thank God for those inside, but how tragic for those outside. I think of Luke chapter 13 where there's a division at the door. And the Lord Jesus pulled aside the curtain concerning the future. Lord, are there few that be saved? He said to that generation, to that crowd, he says, you strive to enter in. You make it your number one ambition. You leave no stone unturned. You get past every hurdle. Strive to enter in. Because a moment will come when the master of the house will rise up and will shut to the door. In the midst of all the purposes of our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm made aware that one of his actions will be, number one, to rise up. Number two, he'll shut the door. How tragic. Calvary, he opened a door. When he comes, he'll close the door. And all of a sudden, men and women and young people that ate and drank in his presence, that heard his words, that were privileged above many, they'll begin to stand on the outside and they begin to knock at a closed door and say, Lord, Lord, open to us. I trust you understand this is not a pitch of emotion. But this is the unchanging word of God. And there will come a division at the door. I wonder here in this auditorium tonight, who will be on the other side of a closed door? Who will be in a panic then to enter in? No panic now, no desire now, indifference. But the door will close. And the Lord Jesus, who knows the future, who knows the hearts of mankind, he said, you will begin to stand without and to knock. No indifference then. The greatest desire in your heart will be to enter in. The greatest interest then will be just if the door would just open for a moment, I'd step in. But the door is closed, and there'll be an eternal division forever. That's why what we have read in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 is so important, and I'll just mention this by way of closing. There is a Savior now who's come alongside, and he's knocking. It's the door of your very soul. It's the door of response of your life. 
And sad to say, because of sin, we have closed the door to the God of salvation. No interest, no desire. But he has a desire in us. He has an interest in us. And he desires our eternal salvation. And so he comes alongside and he says, Behold, I'm standing at the door. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. As I look at that verse, I can't help but appreciate the fact of the warmth of his presence. You know, if anyone comes to your door, they obviously have an interest in your house and talking to you. Didn't go next door, but they, they went to your door. And here's the warmth of the Lord's presence. He's come to where you are. And he's knocking it at your very heart, at your very life, at your very soul. Because he has an interest in you, the warmth of his presence, the welcome of his grace. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. He desires to be welcomed in and he desires to welcome you as well. He could say, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He said, the person that comes to me, I will never, no, never turn aside, cast out the welcome of his grace. And of him it could be said, this man, this man receives sinners and he actually eats with them. But have you ever thought about the wealth of his riches? I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And when the Lord Jesus comes in, he doesn't come in to rob us, banish the thought. He doesn't come in to take what, what we think we have. He became poor, he who was rich, that we through his poverty might be made rich. And he comes with the wealth of his riches, brings eternal life, brings forgiveness of sins, brings purposes worth pursuing, brings heaven in the process, and brings the joy of sins forgiven. There's a stranger at the door tonight. You're not a stranger to him, but he's a stranger to you, sad to say, but he's knocking. Tonight, there's another opportunity to respond to him. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. Mr. Dirksen has carefully explained the peril of coming to a closed door when the day of salvation is ended, when there is no more opportunity to be saved. Remember, the door of Noah's ark was closed by the Lord himself. Those that had not responded up to that time remain forever on the outside of a closed door. It is wonderful to know that the door of God's salvation is still open to all of us. And we hope that you'll enter by that door today by accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your own and personal Savior and thus experience the joy of sins forgiven and peace with God. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website, 
at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.